and thanks for tuning in to the Path 11 Podcast. I am your host, April Hanna. At the Path 11 Podcast, we are here trying to deliver leading-edge research on consciousness, healing, and metaphysics. And just like you, we are trying to answer the big questions about life. Who are we? Why are we here? And what is our purpose? We hope by listening to our podcast, it will make each day you live on Earth a little easier to understand. And now for today's podcast. Hi, everyone. So on our show today, we have a former corporate attorney turned burlesque dancer, yoga instructor, and life choreographer, Laura Cheadle. She has published a brand new book called Flaunt, Drop Your Cover and Reveal Your Smart, Sexy, and Spiritual Self. After 10 years of practicing corporate law in California and Colorado, she chose to change paths to become the radio host and life choreographer she is today. She's a certified hypnotist, personal trainer, burlesque performer, and yoga instructor, as well as a popular writer for People Magazine and Elephant Journal. She offers Find Your Sparkle coaching, programs, workshops, and destination retreats, and teaches all over the world, and her home base is in Colorado. So Laura, welcome to the Path 11 podcast. Oh, thank you so much for having me here. I'm so looking forward to today. Yes, me too. And I think what caught my eye and the reason why I was like, let's get her on our show. I have an interview to Burlesque Dancer. <laughs> and I absolutely love the movie <laughs> with uh, Christina Aguilera and Cher Burlesque. And um, it was just one of my favorite movies. I think Burlesque Dancing is absolutely beautiful. And I love it when, you know, women can just be really in touch with their sexuality, their spirituality. Um, I probably was a burlesque dancer in a past life life because I just love watching it. And, you know, I just feel really connected to it. So I was like, I want to hear what this, what this woman has to say. So, um, so welcome. Well, thank you. I, you know, I, I'm with you. I love the art of burlesque and I think it's often very misunderstood. And once you kind of start learning about what it is and what it means and experiencing that authentic beauty, most women and men, but women especially fall completely in love with burlesque. So you are not alone. <laughs> yeah. So um, I would love to hear the backstory of, you know, how your whole history kind of brought you up today, you know, with being an attorney in law and then moving into yoga and, you know, doing coaching and working with spiritual um, women and trying to really increase their confidence. So how did this all come to be? Oh, absolutely. You know, like any good story, it's kind of a long and convoluted story, but the bottom line is the reason that I went to law school was because I wanted to help people solve problems. I wanted to help people, you know, heal and get better and live better, more fulfilling lives. So in my, what, 18-year-old mind, I thought, that's it. I'm going to go to law school. This is going to be perfect, and I can help everybody solve every problem that they ever had. Well, what I didn't realize at the time and what I didn't learn until I went into practicing law was being a lawyer is a lot of cleaning up problems and it's a lot of taking care of things on the back end. But people still had some strange beliefs. They still made bad choices. They still had a lot of issues, I guess, so to speak, which is why they got into the legal system in the first place. And with most of my clients, I would look back into their lives, maybe three to five years earlier, and I'd think, now is the time that they would have needed that intervention. They don't need the intervention now. They needed it three to five years ago, whether it was in the form of a business consultant, a therapist, a friend, a legal counselor to give them advice. That's where they needed the intervention. 
So I started thinking, well, how can I do that? How can I kind of remove myself from this cleaning up the mess phase and move back into the preventing the mess phase? So I started researching different modalities. Um, I started just exploring and seeing what was out there. And I came across hypnotherapy, which is an amazing form of therapy. And sometimes it does get a bad rap because people don't understand it. But it's a form of therapy that changes the way the subconscious mind processes. So it can actually change the way we think. It can change our habitual patterns and behaviors. And it was amazing. So I went back to school. I became a hypnotherapist. But I have always danced my whole life. You know, like many little girls, I was a dancer, but I was definitely passionate about dance. I danced ballet. I was a palm in high school and college. I started teaching aerobics during the Jane Fonda aerobics craze. (laughs) And I really felt the way that movement and dance allowed me to express It allowed me to move emotion through my body. If I was having a bad day, I could dance it out. If I needed some insight and wisdom, I could move. And through my movement, I would have access to that wisdom. So I thought, wow, I've got this powerful hypnotherapy here, but how do I bring that movement piece in? Because there's something to that. Well, that's kind of where that yoga piece fell in. I started doing more yoga and learning about the chakras and the body's energy system and the whole, you know, Eastern philosophies. I started studying those and I just put it all together and kind of created my own form of life choreography, which is that physical body movement, but that mental mindfulness, as well as some of the legal you know, linear ways of thinking. So that's kind of the long circuitous route of how these different pieces kind of came to be and how it moved me into that space. And I tell you, it's been amazing because the people that I work with actually do create change. And again, it's not just cleaning up the mess and saying, oh, I'll learn it better next time. It really is that change. And that's what I wanted when I was 18 years old. So it's been a wonderful journey. Yeah. And, you know, the other thing that caught my eye too with um, the title of your book is you rarely see these two words together, sexy and spiritual. Yes. Yeah. So maybe we can also talk a little bit about that because sometimes, you know, I'll have people talk to me and they're, you know, talking about how they're on this uh, spiritual you know, quest or their spiritual path. And sometimes some people I think get a little confused, like, can they still feel sexual um, while they're being spiritual? And, you know, I've know some people that will, um, you know, take a break from any intimacy and just feel like that they can't focus on their spiritual self if they're including, you know, more of like root chakra and uh, sexuality on their spiritual path. And I think that all of it should be combined. But um, I was wondering if maybe you can talk a little bit about that. Oh, absolutely. You know, and again, this kind of actually ties in the burlesque piece. We are whole beings. We have so much depth. We have so many facets. We have, you know, so much that makes up who we are. And sexuality is a piece of that. And 
we come from a puritanical background, kind of in the U.S., where we repress that sexual piece. And, you know, there's reasons sometimes for repressing a sexual piece. Some people fast, you know, they, they push down the natural body urges and the natural body desires. And of course, there can be a place for that. But we come from that puritanical history where we're constantly pushing down the sexuality. And like any natural bodily urge and bodily function, if we repress it down long enough, it has to come out somewhere. And more often than not, when something is repressed too long, too hard, it comes out in a very unhealthy way. So my whole focus is on integrating all aspects of who we are naturally, authentically. And part of that is acknowledging that we as humans, but especially we as women, have sexual pieces to our personality. And yes, we can be nurturers and mothers and sexual. Yes, we can be faithful, dedicated, monogamous spouses who are sexual in that relationship. We can be you know, single, exploring sexuality in an authentic way. And as long as we are with other consenting adults, it's just another facet of our personality. And it's not scary. And in fact, it's beautiful because it connects us deeply to our bodies and to our energy system. And it brings a depth of spirituality that nothing else can actually touch. So from where I sit and from where I believe, using the power of sexuality is harnessing the powerful creative urges of the universe. And the reason that I said burlesque kind of comes into play with that is burlesque is an older art form, and it, it's like an offshoot of vaudeville, when the lower classes couldn't afford tickets to theater, to opera, to concerts, to things like that, yet they still craved entertainment. So the vaudeville circuit kind of became a thing which provided more accessible entertainment to the lower classes. Well, one of the things the lower classes like to do is make fun of the snooty things that the upper classes did. And some of the things that they made fun of had to do with the body and sexuality. You know, back then, a woman couldn't show her ankles or her wrists. Well, some of the burlesque, the reason that nudity, even though there's actually no complete nudity, the removal of clothing, semi-nudity was involved, was because it kind of made fun of that. The lower classes were more in touch with the fact that people fall in love and people have sex and people procreate. And that's okay. And we can't, we don't need to pretend that it doesn't exist. So that's kind of the history of burlesque as well. Look, I can show a wrist and I can show an elbow and I can show more than that. And guess what? We all have bodies and most of the people on the planet have had sex or have had sexual urges or have felt sexy and beautiful so let's show that off and let's laugh at it and let's not pretend that's not a thing. Yeah. Wow. So interesting. I did not know some of that. That's, that's pretty, 
pretty cool. And, you know, as you're talking about that too, of course, the first thing as a woman that comes to mind is how much women can be judged who do carry themselves in a very confident yet, uh, you know, sexual or in touch with their sexuality and kind of move through life with a bit of this grace. And it's so hard to put words to, but I'm sure everyone has, you know, come in contact with a woman that just really embodies her feminine um, Mm -hmm. and does it well and is smart and is intelligent and is successful. And, um, but then just also has that, I don't know, just, just that nice energy of sexuality. But with that sometimes comes a lot of judgment, not only from men, but also females. So let's talk about that. Oh, I am so passionate about that. I am a firm believer that of course we have something like the patriarchy, but the most damaging, dangerous thing is the way we as women judge other women and that we perpetuate so many of the stereotypes and beliefs that we're fighting against. And I think the reason we do that is not because we're evil and bad, but because we're afraid of getting wounded. We have been wounded. We have been hurt. We have been judged. We have all, I mean, who has not, you know, spent an hour getting ready and looking amazing and gone out and had another woman give you that look. And it just cuts to the core because you want to say, who are you kidding me? I'm, (laughs) how could you judge me? I'm still me. I'm still brilliant. I'm still sweet. I'm still kind. I'm still nurturing. I'm still loving. I'm kind. But I just really wanted to go out and be in my body and express this creative love. And when women can support each other, that's when we change the system. That's when we break down the patriarchy is when we dare to expose who we are. And we dare to say, I am a creator and watch me create. And I do have this love of embodying my beautiful body. And this is what my body looks like. Be it too, quote unquote, skinny, too, quote unquote, fat, or too, quote unquote, whatever it is. This is my body. And I love to move and breathe and twirl and dance and watch me go and watch me adorn myself. And then when we support each other in that mission and say, you go, you look amazing, own it, move it. That's how we change the system. Not by telling each other, you know what? You're over 40. You should cut your hair or that skirt's <laughs> a little too short for you. Be careful. What will people think? Right. Oh, exactly. Oh, mm. I love it. Preach sister. Preach. Oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right. Well, let's talk, let's give our listeners a little taste of what's going on in your book. Um, You know, I know that you have uh, different steps uh, of flaunt. Uh, I don't know if you want to go through those or explain a little bit about, you know, why readers would want to pick up your book and how that is going to help them to find their sparkle, like you say, um, and get them to just develop more of this uh, self-confidence and really tapping into their spiritual self. Oh, absolutely. Uh, What Flaunt is designed to do is it's to help get readers in touch with what I call their naked self-worth. And that is the ability to value yourself for who you are right now, no matter what size clothes you wear, no matter what kind of car you drive, no matter what the status of your relationships, you know, is or are, and to just really get in touch with the fact that who you are is a valuable, sparkly soul who is worthy and capable. 
And I do that through the five steps of flaunt. Flaunt is an acronym. The first one is find your fetish. And I use the term fetish um, by using both of its definitions. Fetish is something that we passionately love, but a fetish is also something that we believe has magical powers, like Dumbo and his feather. His feather was his fetish. He thought that he could only fly if he had that fetish. So finding our fetish is about finding what we dearly love, but it's also about finding that thing within us that we think gives us that magical power to be who we are. The next step is laugh out loud because I think humor is important. AU is the golden center of flaunt, and that stands for accept unconditionally. And that means accepting yourself and all aspects of your life unconditionally so that you can figure out that next step and that next step is actually accurate. N is navigating the negative because life is always a journey and there will always be difficulties. And T is trusting in your truth. And my book really helps you get in touch with what that truth is. Because for so many of us, we have spent so many years, you know, following the syllabus, following the, you know, what the teacher tells us to do, following what our boss tells us to do, complying with our parents, you know, agreeing with our spouse, taking care of our kids, doing what our friends want. We always seek to please. We, we, are raised culturally to be good little girls, to not brag, to go along with the flow, to make peace, to keep other people happy. And my book really helps women realize that they are valuable too, and that their first duty is to tune in to the truth of who they are and to take care of her. And when they do that, then they can still take care of other people, but it's from a place of authentic truth. And my book just really helps strip away those layers. And that's why I use the analogy of burlesque. It's a stripping away of all of those beliefs that we've imposed on ourselves or had imposed on us. So we can get back to who we are and taking care of ourselves and expressing ourselves freely and openly and honestly. Yeah. And I, I would assume for most women working this, um, the F and the L easy, right? Okay. Let me find my, my fetish, my magical power. I can laugh at it. The AUN seems to be where the work comes in, you know, that, that unconditional acceptance is, that's gotta be the big, the big part. Yes. And that's so hard, but it's so important because we create these stories in our minds. And I like to give the example for anybody who's ever done something fitness related. We see that end goal, you know, whether it's becoming an amazing soccer player or a basketball player or doing flying crow and yoga or a backflip in gymnastics, we see that end goal and we want to get there. But we can't get there until we do some of the training that builds us up. You know, if we want to shoot a basket, we might have to learn how to handle the ball first. If we want to do flying crow, we need to get good at maybe some down dogs and planks first. And it's just that process of accepting where we are. Because if we don't accept that, hey, I am here and I need to take all of these steps to get there, If we lie to ourselves and pretend we're further along, 
we can never build the requisite strength to get there in the first place. And then we're always lying to ourselves and just frustrating ourselves. It's not really about anybody else. It's about frustrating ourselves and giving ourselves a real chance to get better. One of the examples that I often talk about with my clients in accepting others unconditionally, and since the holidays are coming up, I think people can really relate to this. We all have that one family member who always says something totally awkward or drinks too much or starts talking politics at the, you know, Thanksgiving Day table or whatever, the Christmas event. And we all know it's going to happen. Yet we all have this belief in our head that this year it's going to be different. Well, this year, if I change the seating arrangement and move them over here, I bet it'll be different. Well, this year, if we don't serve wine, this year if we do that, it's going to be different. And then it never is. And the only person we've hurt is ourself because we've set up false expectations and we have structured this entire belief system around something. And then we're disappointed and then we're upset. And if we accept unconditionally that that is a toxic human being, maybe they're toxic, maybe they've got an addiction, an addiction issue, whatever it is, if we accept that unconditionally, then we're left with real choices such as, okay, I'm going to invite them and they're going to talk politics and it will get toxic. Or I choose not to invite them because every year for the past 15 years, it's been toxic and I don't choose to go there anymore. Or I need to have a conversation with this person. When we accept unconditionally, we know where we stand and then we can move forward. Right. And then you, then, you know, it's, I think people then realize that they have the choice of what they're putting themselves into. Uh, they have their choice to respond. How will they respond appropriately? And it really comes back to that empowerment piece to know that you're really in control of your life, the people that you want to surround yourself with, the places you want to go, uh, the conversations that you want to have. Right. Right. Yeah. Now let's um, let's talk a little bit too about your hypnotherapy training because people usually don't just wake up one day and uh, feel unworthy or feel nope. like they don't have the confidence. And so let's talk a little bit about how that hypnotherapy can work out maybe some of that subconscious uh, programming that's happened when this actually set into people's beings. And usually we have to go back to an earlier time in their life. Mm -hmm. I love the way you framed that question. Thank you for that. Because you're right. People don't just wake up and say, I feel really unworthy. And oftentimes it's the more successful people that actually have more junk in the subconscious to work out. And here's what I mean by that. Oftentimes it can be like in my case, I know a lot of female attorneys who are incredibly capable, yet they continue to get paid less than their male cohorts, not because they do a worse job, not because the company is intentionally sliding female employees, but because they have the subconscious belief that what they do is not as valuable because they're experienced, because things are no longer hard for them, they don't value it as much. They don't realize that it's not hard because I have spent years cultivating the skills to do this. And because of that expertise and that cultivation of that skill, I am actually worth more because I can do things more quickly. 
it's the subconscious belief that it's not hard, so it's easy for me, so I'm not worth the money, so I don't need to fight for more income because I'm not worth that because I've gotten so darn good, it's easy for me. So something like that, that is a subconscious belief that we have to work hard to be worthy. Well, where does that belief come from? It can come from the media. It can come from our parents. It can come from teachers. Work hard, earn your worth, stay, you know, stay working hard. You'll succeed. It's this entire cultural pressure that has formed the belief that hard work is valuable, that we're not worthy of compensation unless we're doing something difficult. So getting in touch with some of those subconscious beliefs like that, then we can start understanding, I am valuable, what I'm doing is incredibly useful, and it's only because of my heightened skill set and my years of experience that it's become easy, but that means I'm worth more. And another example of that is oftentimes we grow up in an environment where people are saying things like, you're the sweet one, you're the funny one, girls aren't good at math. Oh, in our family, we all have big hips and we eat too much and we can't exercise it off. This is just the way we are. We can't. And things like family lore like that become lodged in our subconscious belief. And then pretty soon without realizing it, because it's never been any difference in our life because we've always heard it, we're limited. We have that belief that, oh, this is just the way my family is built. Nobody in my family can ever do this. I can't do math. You know, girls, they're better at English. They're just not as good as at math. I am the funny one. I'm the nurturing one. These are beliefs that are in us, and they're not bad. It's just that we're not aware of them because we grew up with them, and then they impact our behavior. So oftentimes when people come to me, they come for some random reason. And then as we start peeling back the layers of the onion, we start exposing some of those belief systems that are not bad. They just alter the way that we consciously want to live our lives going forward. And that's what hypnotherapy addresses. Great. Thank you for covering that. And I would say too, you know, even with all of the social media and bombardment that we have of, uh, let's take maybe Instagram, Facebook of learning about other people's stories, or if you're following other successful entrepreneurs, or you're watching these people out in the world who are um, talking about being so connected to their purpose, yet many times people have had to, their story is about struggle in order to get there. And sometimes we can also carry these beliefs that, well, it can't be easy and be successful. I have to have some sort of struggle. I have to yes. go, go through something tough. And, you know, and I think too, um, when, when we're kind of scrolling on social media, it puts you into a trance, puts you into a trance-like state as hypnotherapy does. So there really is stuff that is happening in real time at whatever age you are that is also being downloaded into the subconscious as you're kind of in your own little trance, reading other people's stories, looking at other people's pictures, you know, subconsciously probably comparing yourself in your life and not even realize that there's, those are downloads. 
Oh, absolutely. The average person goes into and out of hypnosis seven to eight times a day. And advertising is designed to get people into a state of hypnosis. And you're absolutely correct. Social media is a form of advertising. And as we're scrolling through, we are making connections because our brain makes connections, you know, and we're seeing somebody with, it can be as simple as seeing somebody with great hair and a great body having this romantic, amazing date night. And then the subconscious belief that comes up and that is activated is that my body needs to look that way. And I need a relationship like that because my business will fail unless I have a great relationship and a great body. Oh, and this person, their kids just got into Harvard. So clearly, unless my kids get into an Ivy league, I'm not successful either. And it's not rational, but the subconscious is not rational. The language of the subconscious, you know, just like you said, is pictures. It's smells, it's sounds, it's emotion, it's color. And it makes connections that might not be valid, that actually most likely are not valid, but we take it as fact because we don't understand what's going on. Yeah. Totally agree. Um, I also want to bring our listeners to um, over to your website because I think you have a great blog. And um, I know we're talking a little bit about your book, but I just had to talk to you about one of the articles that you wrote on your blog. So I found it to be really interesting and a perspective um, that maybe goes hand in hand with what we're talking about right now, which is mindfulness, right? So sometimes yeah. maybe if we are scrolling through our social media, maybe we're not totally in the moment, but we are in the moment, but the sub conscious mind is thinking about past and future and comparing ourselves and stuff like that. So you have this really interesting article about why living in the moment doesn't always work. And I immediately clicked on that because I said to myself, yes, it does. What is she talking about? I like being in the present <laughs> moment. And that's what I'm trying to attain. And that's what a lot of my teachers talk about, you know. But actually, when I started to go into the article and read what you were talking about, I was like, oh, yeah, I, I can appreciate this. This does make sense. Because you're really talking in the article about combining all three, present moment, the past and the future. And I, I really would like to have our listeners hear about your, your take on this, on why living in the, the present moment doesn't always work. Oh, I, I thank you for that. I'm glad you have read that blog and appreciated it. Yes, there is this constant focus with being present. And while being present is powerful, it's crushing because we live in a society and in a world where there's constant input around us. Our phones are always going off. Um, you know, if there's landlines around us or other people's phones going off, there's emails pinging in. We are just so overburdened all the time. And staying in that present moment sometimes literally crushes us because as I sit here right now, in the present moment, I know there's emails coming in, there's texts coming in, I'm doing this podcast, I know where I need to be next. All of these things are happening and staying in the present moment and trying to hold space for all of that weight simultaneously is too much. And my assertion, my idea with that is that it's okay to allow our brains to hop forward and hop backwards in order to create and hold more space for the richness of that present moment. 
And what I mean by that is it's okay to think back to the yoga that you did last night that was beautiful, to that conversation that you had with a friend that really lifted you up, and to allow your mind to drift to the back and capture some of those happy moments, to take that elevated energy and to bring it forward with you. And then to look forward and to think, oh, I've got a lunch date at noon and this is going to be amazing and this is going to help. And then to look back and to think, did I take care of that? Yes, I did. I can let that go. And then to bounce forward into the future and think, these emails that are coming in right now, I've got space at three o'clock and I can manage that at three o'clock so I can let that go in the moment. It's this constantly looping. I see it as this figure eight and that we're in the very center of that, you know, figure eight that's lying on its side, looping to the back, looping to the front, looping to the back in order to stay grounded. So we're not just crushed that right now I have to be present and right now I have to, oh, ding, there's another text, ding, there's a, oh my gosh, it, it makes me crazy to be overly present. I need the context of where I am on the map of my life. Yeah. And the example that you also gave in that blog was about how you had to shift in between those moments too during childbirth. And I think whether anyone's ever given birth to a child or not, um, mm -hmm. you know, you can understand like where you were talking about, like, you know, you navigated it by your ability to shift between the past and the future and then only touching down in the present moment momentarily during the childbirth experience, which makes complete sense. Absolutely. Absolutely. And there's so many instances like that in our life where it is uncomfortable, but touching down and grounding and then moving back out really helps. Wonderful. Well, Laura, I've loved our conversation. Um, I think we're, we're coming to a little bit of an end here, but before we do, I know that you work with people individually, you know, you have your book here, um, you have your own show. So let's just talk about some of the things that you're doing in the world. That way, if any of our listeners want to reach out to you, um, if they want to listen to your podcast or actually work with you one-on-one, -on -one, you can let them know what they can expect uh, with your process. Oh, wonderful. My website is Laura and it's L-O-R-A, Cheadle, C-H-E-A-D-L-E, lauracheadle.com. And you can find a lot of information there. But what I've got going on coming up most immediately is my 90-day Find Your Sparkle group coaching program. And what I do in all of my programs is I spend the first part recognizing and releasing what's going on inside, whether that's recognizing and releasing our labels, our rules and our scripts, or just those burdens that the world has put on us. Once we recognize what's there, then we can choose what to keep and what to get rid of. The second month, the second step in my program is about revealing, revealing your own sparkly, authentic soul and getting back in touch and knowing who you are. And then the third part of that 90-day program is re-choreographing your life. And re-choreographing is different than a lot of work that people do in restructuring a life. Because what re-choreographing your life does is it takes into consideration all of the things that are there. That you might have a mortgage. You might have relationships. You have this whole life. And it's not about trashing your life. It's about rearranging them into a cohesive, beautiful whole. So that's what my 90 day program does. And that's starting January 1st. So if you're interested, jump on board quickly. Um, 
my individual coaching, we tend to go through those same three steps. But in addition to that, if there's something that you're just bothered with that hypnosis could address or that talking could address or that movement could address, I'm your woman. I also have this amazing Flaunt Flock Facebook group. And it's just a group where women and men, but mostly women are in there, can connect and can share. You know, we were talking about that soapbox and kind of that passion of preaching it. It's a place where we can go and where we can be like, oh my gosh, guess what happened to me? Help. Give me some perspective. How do I get through this? How do I not fall into a trigger and get angry? How do I move through this? And we really support each other. And that's the flaunt, F-L-A-U-N-T, flock on Facebook. My podcast and radio show can also be found on my website, as well as my radio show is live on Dream Vision 7 Radio Network. And my show is called Flaunt, Build Your Dreams and Live Your Sparkle. And what it really focuses on is helping people, again, get in touch with those dreams that they kind of put aside to get through life, to raise kids, to have families, to build a career, to get back in touch with that, and then to find ways to help them live their sparkle. So at the end of the day, they have no regrets, and they have built a legacy that they love. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being an authentic person, uh, being true to your authentic self. I feel like we need more people like you in the world. And I love that you are helping people to find that within themselves. So Laura, thank you so much for being a guest on the Path 11 podcast. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It was an absolute honor and pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Path 11 podcast today. I hope you all enjoyed this show. And if you haven't checked out our Patreon page, I'd like you to do so because we are going to start putting some content over there that is only for our Patreon subscribers. You can get content for as little as donating a dollar a month, and it could just be a one-time donation. We have other freebies over there that you can get depending upon how much you would like to donate. And again, it could be a one-time donation, or you can continue to keep your subscription on a monthly basis at that donation level, but I just put my MBT immersive experience, which was a four-day intensive meditation training in Tennessee with physicist Tom Campbell. I was listening to binaural beats, going to altered states of consciousness, having out-of-body experiences and life-changing experiences that I was able to bring back uh, for myself, for my clients, for my friends that was just out of this world. So if you would like to listen to that, I'd like you to head on over to path11podcast.com. You're going to see an orange button that says Patreon. Become a Patreon today and you can have access to that podcast. And I would like to remind you to head on over to path11productions.com and check out the membership that we have for the Afterlife Awareness Conference. We have over 25 hours of footage with amazing speakers like William Buhlman, Thomas John, Terry Daniel, Suzanne Geisman, Suzanne Northrup, Linda Fitch, uh, Austin Wells, just a few people uh, to name off that were amazing. These workshops are just so valuable. So I think that you would really enjoy it. It's also a great thing to think about to maybe give the gift to somebody who is struggling with grief. If you are looking for resources, this is a great conference to send people to to check out. And thanks again for listening today.